0: listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Faces. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. Have you ever heard about a condition known as prosopagnosia? It has to do with mental function where a person is unable to determine who a face belongs to. Now that's a bit of a problem, because a normal person is able to recognise about five thousand different faces. That doesn't remember that doesn't mean they can remember all the names, but faces, yes. In September 2018, the National Geographic magazine ran a story with graphic photos to show how doctors at the Cleveland Clinic in the United States of America removed the face of a 31-year-old woman who was declared to be legally and clinically dead. That face was transplanted onto 21-year-old Katie Stubblefield, changing her life completely I read the story and viewed the photographs it was fascinating if not a bit horrifying in the English language there are approximately 400 idioms where the word face is used here are a few samples face to face about face face up to it prune face face lit up, and one I especially like, she has a face for radio. Some of these idioms are recorded in the Bible, but firstly today I want to read you a short story about a shining face. The story is recorded in Exodus chapter 34 from verse 29 to the end of the chapter it concerns Moses who went up to Mount Sinai to receive the commandments from God. Verse 29 says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant, that means it shone, because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses' face, that it was radiant, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Now how unusual is that? Whenever Moses was in the presence of the Lord his face began to shine and it remained shining for some time after that. For the Israelites, Moses, their leader, looked a bit spooky and they were afraid of him. The Bible does not say for how long Moses' face shone after he'd been in the presence of the Lord but it must have been for some time necessitating the veil. It was uh, a bit like radiation or phosphorus, although I'm not suggesting it was either of those things. In the presence of the holy God, this was the effect. Now if you take your Bibles and read this short story in Exodus 35, you will see if you continue to read on what happened when Moses spoke to the people soon after he came down from the mountain. Exodus 35, 1 and 2 tells this, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Here was Moses, just come from being in the presence of the Holy God, himself bearing a radiance of God, now delivering a message from the Lord. And what is the first thing he said? Well, it was to keep the Holy Sabbath in honour of that same Holy God. Now, I'm perfectly aware of the custom. Uh, no, the tradition of replacing the seventh-day Sabbath with another day, Sunday, supposedly to honour God. But of course the practice of keeping Sunday originated with paganism, and was set aside to worship the sun. That's not the S-O-N, but the S-U-N. So when someone worships God on a day other than what was stipulated, is that worship acceptable? My personal opinion is that God is displeased that human beings have put into practice a system of worship that is contrary to God's expressed will. The story of the Exodus records a time when Moses, the leader of the Israelites, Annoyed at all the grumbling and griping of the people that he was leading, he disobeyed God by striking the rock from which water later flowed. Moses was punished and was not permitted to enter the land of Canaan to where he was leading the people. It is dangerous to disobey God's commands because our fitness to be granted eternal life will be measured by two things number one acceptance of Jesus' substitutionary death on our behalf and two keeping God's commandments. That's made clear in Revelation fourteen twelve, where it says here is the patience of the saints. Here are they who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Just like you need two legs to walk, to enter into God's kingdom you need two things, faith and works, faith in Jesus and works of obeying God. Moreover, God who instituted the Sabbath and commanded that it be kept in order to show honour and respect to him made this announcement recorded in Ezekiel 20 verse 12. He said, also, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us, that's between God and his people, so they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. Moses' face shone because he'd been in the presence of God. But Moses was instructed to tell the people that they should keep the Sabbath as a sign that they were and we are God's people. Is there any statement in the Bible that says, if you keep Sunday, that shows you are God's people? Well, no, you can search the Bible from cover to cover. There is no such statement. You see, Sunday is a false Sabbath. The act of worshipping on the right day is about as important as the worship itself because it is an act of carrying out the expressed will of God and not just part of it. The Bible records another occasion in another place where someone's face shone. It's recorded in each of the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke and I'll share with you from Matthew chapter 17, the first five verses. It says, After six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Here again, just as happened when Moses was in the presence of God, Jesus' face shone. But the Bible does not record that the faces of Peter, James and John shone. It only records that Jesus' face shone. Why did only Jesus' face shine? I suggest to you that these three disciples accompanying Jesus for that short amount of time up on the mountain witnessed the divinity of Jesus. In other words, they saw Jesus not as a man, the Son of Man, but as God, the Son of God. Whatever caused his face to shine was not transmitted from another source, but came from within him. Christ was divine. He was God, but he put aside his divinity in order to save mankind. The Christian writer E.G. White in that very famous book, The Desire of Ages, records something about Jesus' divinity in the chapter about the resurrection of Lazarus. Here is that statement. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. His voice, clear and penetrating, pierces the ear of the dead. As he speaks, divinity flashes through humanity in his face which is lighted up by the glory of god the people see the assurance of his power every eye is fastened on the entrance to the cave every ear is bent to catch the slightest sound with intense and painful interest all wait for the test of christ's divinity the evidence it is to substantiate his claim to be the Son of God or to extinguish the hope forever. Now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, what did the voice from the bright clouds say? It was, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. God the Father was the one who spoke. Why did he say he was pleased with Jesus, the Son? I think there is a very simple answer. He was pleased with Jesus because Jesus faithfully carried out his mission. In other words, he obeyed. In this, there is a lesson for us. Yes, God is pleased when we obey him. And this takes us back to the message Moses was required to deliver after he came down from the presence of God. His message was about obedience, complete obedience. That is what God is pleased about. We're going to have a little break and go on straight afterwards.
1: A farmer and a teacher, a hooker and a preacher Riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico One was headed for vacation, one for higher education And two of them were searching for lost souls And that driver never ever saw the stop sign. Eighteen wheelers can't stop on a dime There are three wooden crosses On the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them Heaven only knows It's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go that farmer left the harvest, a home and 80 acres, The faith and love for growing things in his young son's heart. And that teacher left her wisdom in the minds of lots of children did her best to give them all a better start. And that preacher whispered, can't you see the promised land? Lay that bloodstained Bible in that hooker's hand There are three wooden crosses On the right side of the highway Why there's not four of them Heaven only knows It's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go That's the story that our preacher told last Sunday As he held that bloodstained Bible up For all of us to see He said, bless the farmer and the teacher And God bless that preacher Who gave this Bible to my mama Who read it to me There are three wooden crosses On the right side of the highway why there's not four of them Now I guess we know You see, it's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go There are three wooden crosses On the right side of the highway
0: Just before the break, I said this to you, God is pleased when we obey him. Now, this takes us back to the message Moses was required to deliver after he came down from the presence of God. His message was about obedience, complete obedience. That is what God is pleased about. There is a third reference in the Bible where someone's face may have shone. It's in Acts 6, verse 15, and it refers to Stephen. Stephen was a Christian, an ex-Jew. He was a man of faith, wisdom, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. False accusations were brought against this righteous man, and he had to face the Jewish Sanhedrin the leaders verse 15 records all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel I'm not aware of any direct statement in the scriptures that the faces of angels shine but there is one reference to two angels at Jesus tomb on the resurrection morning Luke 24, verse 4, records this. While they, the women, were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. All the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record what happened when Jesus was here on earth. Each Gospel is a little bit different to the others. The gospel of Matthew records that when Jesus body was placed records that when Jesus body was placed into Joseph's tomb and it says in chapter 28 now after the sabbath as the first day of the week began to dawn Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb and behold there was a great earthquake For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the entrance and sat on it. His countenance, that's his face, was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. From each instant, that is, from that of Moses, of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, And of the angel at the tomb, their faces shone brightly. This seems to indicate that the bright shining faces is directly related to divinity or being in the presence of divinity. The Apostle Paul, in explaining about the underlying modus operandi of God's kingdom in 1 Corinthians 13 sometimes that chapter is referred to as the love chapter, Paul concluded with this statement. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know as I also am known. Paul admitted that although he understood a little about salvation, that there was a whole lot more yet to be understood. He also pointed out that he would understand more fully later. He was referring to the time after Jesus returns to the earth to take home with him to heaven his people, sometimes referred to as the saints. But did you notice he used the phrase, face-to-face? Face? That statement may refer to the fact that when we talk to someone's face-to-face, face, we're able to communicate at a much more effective level than, say, at a distance. Face-to-face, face, one is able to understand better because we are aware of the non-verbal communications, such as gesticulations facial expressions and what the other person's eyes communicate but there may be another meaning that should not be overlooked it's this I have not seen the Lord I don't know what he looks like I don't know what his voice sounds like I don't know what color his eyes are in fact I I only know very little about him, but I know enough to believe in him and worship him. But according to what Paul wrote, a time is coming when we will have the privilege of being in the very presence of the Lord and seeing him face to face. In Revelation chapter 21, is pictured a scene that is yet future. It refers to a time following the return of Jesus. When Jesus returns at his second coming, he will come to take his people, all who are alive at that time as well as the righteous dead, and take them with him back to heaven. At the same time, there will be the most terrible earthquake the earth has ever known. All the unrighteous living people will be destroyed but there will be another factor that will destroy the unrighteous and we read about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 where it says and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming I see this a bit like termites. They are pests, and they hate light. They live in darkness, and are killed by light. In the same way, unrepentant sinners will be destroyed, not only by earthquake, but also by the brightness of Christ's second coming. There are a number of references in the Bible about the glory of the Lord about Christ's glory and about the glory of the Father and of the angels. That glory is associated with brightness. In the presence of our holy God, unrepentant sinners are unable to exist. But those who have confessed their sins and have accepted the merits of Jesus on their behalf will be able to stand in the presence of God. Revelation chapter 21 is about when God makes all things new. Sin plus the originator of sin, Satan, and all sinners will be destroyed. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, comes down from heaven to earth. And I'll read that to you. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 3. John, the the prophet, is writing, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Won't that be something? To be able to live constantly in the presence of God and not be destroyed? (laughs) Maybe like Moses, we will have faces that shine with God's glory too. I hope so, but we'll have to wait a bit to find out. My friends, it is my belief that the greatest pleasure mankind can have will be to exist in the presence of God. I want to experience that forever, and I want you to experience it as well. And I hope you will make it your aim to be there to enjoy the presence of God for eternity as well. So that's where we must finish today. Join me next time for another Give Me the Bible program next week. And until then, this is Len wishing you God's rich blessings and peace.